What do you say before you get on a plane in our family? Step out with your right foot. That's right. And what else do you say? Do you know the Yiddish that we say? No. Say gegesund. Have you heard that before? Uh, I've heard you guys say it, but I always forget what the name is. Okay, so you say gegesund, forgesund, and kumgesund. Can you say that? Gegesund, forgesund, kumgesund. <laughs> Close enough. It's kumgesund. Kumgesund. With an M. Kumgesund. And do you know what that means? My mom told me before, but I forget what it meant. It means go in good health, be there in good health, and return in good health. Okay. Hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? Yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard my seven-and-a-half-year-old niece, Morgan. We were in Florida this past week, and I don't want to brag, but uh, we had not one, not two, but four sleepovers. Now, I like to think I host some pretty fun sleepovers. Right, fellas? But here are some of the highlights. We played two rounds of Muppet Mad Lips, We had two pillow fights. We watched a lot, and I mean a lot, of the Swedish chef videos. Bork, bork, bork. Bork, bork, bork. Bork, bork, bork. And Morgan fell off the bed once. Poor thing. Middle of the night. So, since I was just on a little vacay, I thought we'd go into the vault to feature some stories of travel. Now, both of the stories you're about to hear were recorded back in 2012, so please forgive the sound quality a wee bit. Alex made it sound super duper and enjoy. First up is Gigi Lee. Gigi is a comedy writer, performer, and storyteller who's written for Above Average and Reductress. And she performed with me at the Kennedy Center a couple of years ago. Super fun show. She told this gem on our show in October 2012 when the theme of the night was Sundays. That's S-U-N-D-A-E-S. Sundays, stories of vacation. This is her story of what happened when she went looking for love overseas. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Do you know that song, Alex? Nope. No! You're killing me. Oh. So this is day in Barcelona, and I am in a cramped hotel room watching I Am Legend in dub Spanish. Uh, my first solo trip, my first big adventure isn't turning out as I had planned. Uh, this trip is part of a bigger personal project to get out of my comfort zone, to become a better person, the kind of person who can get a boyfriend. Uh, At that time in my life, I was pretty lonely and very unlucky with guys. I had just gotten dumped by a guy who was shorter than me, and he was like, "Uh, can we, do you mind if we're just friends? I just really want to focus on my music. Um, He wanted to be a rock star. And so I was like, okay, that's that's great. Um, But this is just not how I 
vision board in my life. Like I wasn't supposed to get dumped by petite musicians. And, and after that, I just thought like maybe there's something wrong with me because like I couldn't seem to get into a relationship, and everyone I knew was in a relationship. And I just embarked on this like self-growth extravaganza where I like read all these self-help books, I started doing community service, I got bangs, like all, of, like all of the hopes that I would become this new awesome person. Uh, which brings me to Barcelona. So my first night in Barcelona uh, was awesome. Like I met up with these people that I knew, and they're actually here tonight. Uh, and we like went out to the discoteca, and it was really fun. Um, and then the next day, all the people I knew went out of town. <laughs> and so I was like by myself, and I was, I started, I got bored of hanging out with myself. And, and so I just stayed in my hotel room, and after the like fifth sci-fi movie, I was like, maybe I should leave the room. And so I decided to go out to dinner, and I go to this restaurant, and I sit at the bar alone, and I notice that across from me is this waiter slicing jamon. And he's like staring in my direction, smiling at me, and I was like, oh. And at the end of the night, he comes over and he drops off his number. And I was like, oh my god, I have game in <laughs> And so the next day I call him, he doesn't pick up, I don't leave a message. And, and I go out, and I come back to my hotel, and the waiter is standing in front of my hotel waiting for me. And he's like, oh, I called uh, the, the Miss Call. When it was a hotel, I figured it was you. And I was like, oh my god, European men are so proactive. <laughs> I, I like this. And so we go for a walk, me and Saeed. Um, and that's his real name, and you'll find out why. Um, uh, so we go for a walk, and uh, he's like six foot tall, tan, doesn't speak a lick of English. Which is fine because I used to volunteer as an ESL teacher and our conversations are not unlike the exercises we did in class. So I was like, I like movies. I like movies. I like laundry, not so much. <laughs> and so like, we're walking and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh, he's not as cute as I remembered when I had like, a full bottle of wine to myself. And, and like, I can't stop staring at his outfit. It's like a bright, tight purple shirt and like really tight white jeans and it's like more, more Euro that I'm comfortable with. And I'm straight in his outfit and I'm reminded of this book that my, my roommate told me to read and it's called The Seven Levels of Intimacy, which sounds like a video game that Oprah created. And, and the book is basically about like how you have to let go of your fears and like let go of your judgment to be in a relationship. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna like you know, stop judging this guy's pants and just go with the flow. So we're walking and he wants to take me out to dinner and I'm like, oh, well, since I was a local, maybe we'll go somewhere cool. And he takes me to the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> and throughout the meal, he's telling me in Spanish like how beautiful I am. And he says, me gustan tus ojos pequeños, which means I like your small eyes. <laughs> Donor kebabs. It was like really nice. <laughs> and the, the only 
was that like I couldn't tell if he was stupid or just Not foreign. <laughs> like I found out that he had worked at the same restaurant for five years, just slicing hamon. Never looked up to be a waiter. But then I was like, well, you know, it's Europe. That's like an art form. And so we had this like, routine where like he'd go to work during the day and I would like explore the city on my own, which is like so fun. Um, I love traveling alone because like like when you find the right subway line, you feel like it's the biggest accomplishment. <laughs> and I just felt so happy. And then at the end of the day, I would like meet up with him and we'd have dinner at the box. And um, by the end of my trip, I like I starting to get a little sad that I was gonna like leave him. And I actually emailed my friend who's also here tonight. And I was like, I think like I'm gonna like maybe delay my plane ticket and like stay here. And she's like, no. <laughs> um, so the last day in Barcelona, uh, sorry, my last day in Barcelona, he takes me to the airport. Uh, and we, he, we go to my game, and we have these like, tearful goodbyes. It's very dramatic. <laughs> and I love it. And um, he's like, you'll always have a friend here in Barcelona. And I was like, oh. Um, and I come back to New York, and I just feel like a different person. Like, I just feel so confident, and I just want to wear scarves all the time. <laughs> Meeting like a shorty in Europe, I just felt like renewed. Um, until the emails start. Uh, so he starts emailing me and he's like, oh, I love you, I miss you so much. Um, but I can't get over all the spelling and grammatical errors. <laughs> like, and they're, they're written in Spanish. And I feel like I, as a non-native Spanish speaker, should not point out your Spanish grammatical mistakes. And, and, and we were friends on Facebook and he would post like sad songs, like sad videos on his Facebook. And his status updates would just be like sad song lyrics. And I was like, oh my God, you're one of those people. And so I just like started ignoring him. And then he would email me and be like, why are you ignoring me? Are you mad at me? I miss your eyes. <laughs> He's like, I miss you so much, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And the entire message is written on the subject line of the email. <laughs> and surprised you and waited for your apartment building. I was like, oh, hell no. And so I like blocked him on email and I blocked him on Facebook. Uh, well, <laughs> um, and I mean, maybe it was a mistake. Like maybe I just blocked the one guy who would ever truly adore me just because he didn't have like spell check. <laughs> and, but I don't know, like for some like after Barcelona, I thought like, just because like a petite musician dumped me once doesn't mean I have to settle for the first guy that likes me. So I held out, and I held out, and I was single for a very, very long time afterwards, and it was not easy. Um, but eventually, I did meet my now boyfriend, and I didn't have to go all the way to Barcelona, uh, just an improv class. That boyfriend she referenced? is now her husband. That was Gigi Lee. You can find Gigi on Twitter at The Genius. That's J-I-N-I-U-S. And check out her podcast, You're Gonna Die, Girl, where she watches scary movies and talks about them. Do you like scary movies, Alex? I do. I like uh, like psychological thriller mm. scary movies, mm-hmm. uh, not like hack and slash gore yeah. scary movies. Agreed. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time with with those kinds of movies. I have to like cover my eyes, cover my ears with yeah. the slasher kinds. But even with with psychological thrillers, to some extent, I need to do the same. I think for me, it's it's uh, it's not so even in the moment. It's like how long those movies stay with you. Like mm. that you will think about them mm-hmm. for a long time. After. Mm-hmm. What is the last movie that stuck with you for a long time? Um, e. the, Hill, the Hills Have Eyes. I never saw it. Yeah. Oh. That's terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. It makes going to New Mexico really difficult. Oh, okay. I will make sure to steer clear of that movie and New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing any movie sticks with me for any period of time because... I'm not sure if I told you this, but I fall asleep at every movie, either at home or in the theater. It's bad. It's annoying. It's it's really annoying. While we were in Florida, we were watching a bunch of my SAG screeners, and I fall asleep at every one. And yeah. I have to, once the movie was over, I was like, let me rewind parts of Fences to see what happened <laughs> earlier on that I missed. Same with Moonlight. I had to rewind a certain section like eight times. Because I'd rewind it, it would start to play, and then I'd doze off. It's really frustrating. You know who doesn't fall asleep during movies, Alex? Morgan. That's right. (laughs) Here's a little bit more of my conversation with Morgan on our recent trip. Where are we today, Morgan? Florida. Yeah. Are you having a great time? Yeah. Do you love coming to Florida? Yeah. Why do you like it? It's warm. (laughs) Was it snowing in Massachusetts? Yes. But don't you like the snow, too? Yeah. Don't you like playing in the snow? Yeah. What kind of things do you like to do? Snowball, snowman, and sledding. Oh, that sounds very fun. Do you ever throw snowballs at Ben? Yeah, but if we get him in the face, he cries. Mm. Don't you think you would cry if you got a snowball in the face? Maybe. I'm used to getting snow in my face. Mm. Sometimes I do it on purpose. You do? Sometimes I flop my face in the snow. Oh my gosh, that's so cold. Mm-hmm. As somebody who was cold all the time, I would never flop my face deliberately in the snow. All right, next up is Aaron Wolf. Aaron's stories have been featured on NPR, The Moth Radio Hour, and Risk. He told this doozy in June 2012. The theme of the night was Rocky Road, Stories of Danger. This is his story of the harrowing trip he took during his gap year in Israel. When I was 18, I moved to Israel to live on a kibbutz for a year. If you don't know what a kibbutz is, it's this kind of collective farm in the middle of nowhere, and I had been told that it was this kind of gathering place of like the intellectual laborers of the world, and I thought I was gonna go there and like kind of work hard at night, and then in the evenings kind of have these like polyamorous orgies with these like beautiful exotic women of the world. And and I wanted that, but mostly I wanted like a change from my suburban bullshit boring existence in Teaneck, New Jersey. And so I found my five best friends from Teaneck, New Jersey, and the five of us went and tried to have a different experience together in Israel. And we immediately learned that the kibbutz is not adventurous at all. We wanted this adventure, and we got like a slightly less Jewy Long Island suburb. Like it's a bigger Konkama with fewer synagogues. It's terrible. And there was like labor. I worked ten hours a day, six days a week, but. At night when the polyamorous orgies were supposed to start, like, 
I had this kind of like steady girlfriend, and she was sweet, but she was Canadian, and despite Robin's protestations on the like scale of exotic, um, Canadian chick that you went to Jewish summer camp with is like really, really low. And with two weeks left in my year, I knew I had to kind of shake things up, so I took a page out of the playbook of 1950s Ronkonkoma housewife or any character from Mad Men, I decided to cheat on my girlfriend. I went to the Kibbutz Disco, which is this like barn that's like played techno music on Tuesdays and Saturdays, and I found an Australian girl, and I made out with her for a while. And then because I am uh, ruled by guilt and shame, I went straight to my girlfriend and I apologized. <laughs> and she quickly became my ex-girlfriend, and then even faster than that became my murderous ex-girlfriend, and I completely understood. Um, but now there was a complication. I had two weeks left, and the next day, my five friends from, from home and this girl and I were supposed to go to Daha, which is this town in the middle of the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. And we're gonna go and sit on a beach where we can get stoned. We might actually have like a real adventure, and now I had fucked this up. And I had fucked it up for two ways. First of all, I was a fuck up in love and relationships, but also I was a fuck up in international travel. Everybody else had renewed their visas like months ago, and I had not. And this like burly Cubist dude had told me that. Uh, if I leave the country and come back in on an on a, uh, expired visa, I was going to be in jail for two weeks at least. And the second problem was the bus ride to Daha was 10 hours, and I wasn't sure I was going to survive 10 hours with the murderous ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so I thought quickly, and I said, why don't you guys go ahead, and I'll meet you there. And while they were going down on the bus, I was going to take care of my visa shit, and then I'd just go down by myself, and I thought at the very least, this trip down to the, the Sinai Peninsula on my own will be an adventure. And the next morning they leave and I go off to the Ministry of the Interior. And if you're picturing like this kind of like modern building, don't. Okay, Israel in 1995 was sort of a first world like modern place on the outside. As soon as you interact with any kind of bureaucracy, it was the third world. Like this building, you step through the threshold of the building, you go from Switzerland, straight into Nicaragua, like, in a second. And I walk into this room, and it's, like, packed, and there's this, like, everybody's smoking, and it smells, and it's hot, and I scope out the employees, and there's, like, two enormous dudes with their shirts open to their belly buttons, and then there's this woman in the back, and she must be the boss. She has to be the boss, because her face looks like the backseat of a Buick Skylark. She's this, like, leather iguana lady with... Lipstick on, and she's smoking the cigarette, and she goes, next. <laughs> and I walk up to her, kind of nervously, you know, like hand her my passport, and she goes, Yo, expired visa. I say, I, I know, I'm sorry, uh, is there anything I can do? She goes, Oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. She takes out a calculator and she starts tapping away. Anytime anybody says no problem and takes out a calculator, they're fucking with you. Because <laughs> if they have a calculator, it's not going to be like, $17, that's your fine. So you 10,000 shekel. 10,000 shekel in 1995 is $3,000. That's exactly $2,850 more than I have to my name in the world. 100 of those $150 that I actually have, I got on a bet, and the bet was that I couldn't eat a cigarette. <laughs> Turns out you can eat a cigarette, and it's not worth $100. <laughs> 
for that hundred dollars and I was not about to turn it over to a lizard woman. <laughs> but I also don't want to go to jail. And I know that I only have one choice in the matter. I burst into tears. The lizard woman is unequipped to deal with human emotions, so she immediately averts her eyes and she starts like shuffling through my paperwork and she can't witness this like sad American sob factory. And she starts like, going through and I'm like, oh, and she goes, uh, Aaron, you are from uh, Teaneck. And I said, no, I was born in New York, but I moved to like the suburbs. It's awful. And she goes, uh, do you know the gold farms? I'm like, no, I don't know the gold farms. And she goes, do you know the gold farms? No, I don't know the gold farms. She says, do you know the gold farms? <laughs> yes, yes, I know the gold farms. She goes, I'm lost. He knows the gold farms. And one of the fat mountain men turns over and goes, hey, you know, I'm getting done. And I'm like, And boom, she stamps my visa, hands it back, and she goes, what a country, huh? And all I can think is like, third world, fuck it, I don't care. I'm getting on the bus. I'm going to get to Dahab. I'm going to get to my friends. I'm going to have this adventure finally after my 10 months. I get to Eilat about five hours later. We cross the border, and suddenly I'm in an entirely different world. Uh, tra traveling into Egypt from Israel is incredible. You go directly into a different universe. It's dusty, it's hot, there's people everywhere. There's people pushing and pulling and, and, and noises and smells that I've never heard before. And next thing I know, I'm like yanked into a taxi cab, which is like a BMW station wagon that's been retrofitted to fit like 10 people in the back and there's 15 of us squished in and everybody's yapping away and screaming and yelling at the driver and the driver's yelling at everybody else and he finally turns to me and he says, where are you going? And I say, Daha, he goes, and he boom, we take off. <laughs> and when I say boom, we take off, I mean, we fucking take off. It's the middle of the night. There's not a light anywhere in the desert, but the Egyptian cab drivers have these like, this like, sweet little quirk of theirs, which is that they drive without their lights. <laughs> so it's just conserve their batteries or something, or just to prove their manliness, they navigate by starlight, and every time a car comes towards them, they flash their brights once, the other car flashes back, and then <laughs> over and over again, every 15 seconds, at 50 miles an hour, it's I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, oh my god, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, and to make matters worse, he's blasting this Egyptian pop music. So I'm like, I'm going to die while this dude screams about his love for Fariba or something. This is awful, and it's over and over again. And finally, we screech to a halt. And in the middle of the road is an Egyptian soldier, and he's holding an AK-47, standing next to a small metal chair with a boombox on it. And he walks over and he goes, backwards. And everybody quickly turns over their passport. I turn over my passport. And he goes through his stuff and he's like, walks over to the front of, of, the, uh, of, of, the, of the taxi. <laughs> and the taxi driver starts yelling at him. And he starts yelling at the taxi cab driver. And they're yelling back and forth. And the, the radio's yelling about Fariba. And it's, it's terrible. And, and it's all getting very, very scary all of a sudden. They're just, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're yelling about. But I know that it can't be good. And then finally the cab driver goes, okay, 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 okay. And he hits eject on the tape player, hands him the tape, the soldier smiles, walks back to his folding chair with his boombox, hits eject on his, comes back with the new tape, gives it to the bus, to the cab driver, and boom, we're off. <laughs> and immediately, I know what the fight is about. Because now we are 
shuttling through the desert at 50 miles an hour with the one song on this tape. It's a single <laughs> of Elton John's Crocodile Rock. Over and over and over again. So literally, it's, I remember when my brother you know, over and over and over and over again. And I'm praying for death. Finally, we reach Dahab, and I get out of the car, and I'm like, these shaky legs, I'm terrified, and I just want to find my friends, and I walk through this weird, dark alleyway into this big boulevard, dirt road kind of thing, and there's camels everywhere, and I find them at the end in this cafe, and they're sitting there, and I sit down, and I look around all of these friends of mine from home, and then the murderous ex-girlfriend, and I'm happy to see them all. Because this is what I want. I don't want the adventure anymore. I just want them. And I know that it's me that put all of this shit between, the, between me and them. But now I'm here. And my friend leans over and hands me a cup of tea. And he says, man, that's Saudi Arabia. I'm like, fuck, that's Saudi Arabia. And another friend says, that's the red fucking sea. Oh, fuck, that's the fucking sea. And then the murderous ex-girlfriend leans over. And in her right hand is the biggest joint I've ever seen in my life. And on her left hand is like a Swiss Adonis that apparently she's sleeping with now. And she hands me the joint and I take a really, really long pull of it. And she leans over and I think she's going to kiss me, but then she whispers in my ear, I dreamed about killing you last night. And then she and the Adonis walk off down the road. And I see the sign that she was sitting in front of. And the sign says, the penalty for smoking marijuana in Egypt is death by hanging. <laughs> and then I see the cop behind the sign with an AK-47 smiling and giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> and I think, maybe my adventure is just <laughs> That was Aaron Wolf. You can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Wolf. So that's A-A-R-O-N-W-O-L-F-E. Okay, so the live show has been on hiatus, but we are back on April 12th at Le Poisson Rouge. We've got social media giant and best-selling author of books like Crush It and Ask Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Plus, we've got Aparna Nancherla, who used to be a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers, Michelle Buteau, who you may know from Key and Peel, and Sam Dingman, who's been featured on the Moth Radio Hour. Tickets are not on sale for that show yet, but they will sell out fast, so sign up for our mailing list to be one of the first to find out when they're available. Just go to our website, yumsthewordshow.com, look for guest list, and sign up. In the meantime, you can check out some fun content on our ice cream social media, like the number of ice cream samples I just consumed on vacation. It's a lot, but not as much as the ice cream I actually put away. Be sure to follow all the fun on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Yum's the Word Show. Also, if you like what you hear, please let us know by giving us a quick rating and review on iTunes. It helps let others know about our podcast. And finally, if you or your organization are interested in learning how to tell a story, check out our Storytelling Fun 01 workshops. Plus, we're doing private Yum's the Word events where you can learn how to make ice cream cakes and you get a custom show created for your office or organization. It's a really fun way to laugh, drink, and connect with coworkers. We're doing one for VaynerMedia next week where they're having some of their employees tell stories. 
And we've also done a wedding and we could do other special occasions. You can find information for all of that on our website at yumsthewordshow.com. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, Carly Patron, Katie Riley, and of course, Morgan. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. And until next time. No! You're killing me. Oh. Yum's the word.